Welcome to Manufacturing Matters, a podcast sponsored by Simsbury Bank. Hi, my name is Martin Geitz. I'm president and CEO of Simsbury Bank, and we are delighted to be offering a series of podcasts focusing on manufacturing in Connecticut. I'm joined today by three uh, experienced and knowledgeable uh, people who are active in the manufacturing sector of our economy. Dr. Jim Lombella is president of Asnuntuck Community College and Tunxis Community College. He currently serves as a steering committee member for New England's Knowledge Corridor and is a college representative for the North Central Connecticut Chamber of Commerce. He's also on the board of directors of Capital Workforce Partners. Chris Holm is the vice president of human resources at Mott Corporation in Farmington. He brings a global viewpoint to our discussion today with extensive experience in Asia, Europe, and Latin America. Joe Vrabley has been involved with the Connecticut manufacturing scene for more than 35 years. He's the founder and owner of Atlantic Steel and Processing in Waterbury. He is a senior member of the State Board of Education and its chair of legislation and policy. Joe is past chair of the Connecticut Technical High School System, and he serves on the executive committee of the Waterbury Workforce Investment Board and is past president of the Small Manufacturers Association. Gentlemen, welcome all. We're here today to talk about manufacturing jobs, supply and demand, and perception of manufacturing jobs in the state, and uh, opportunities uh, for uh, our uh, state residents to take advantage of this incredible growth in manufacturing that Connecticut is currently experiencing. The Connecticut Department of Labor recently announced that over 6,300 jobs were created in 2017 in the manufacturing sector of the economy. We hear from manufacturers across the state that there may be up to 20,000 unfilled jobs today. And we know, for example, the electric boat has announced that they're going to be hiring over 30,000 people over the next several years. So clearly there's huge demand for manufacturing jobs, yet uh, the supply appears not to be there. Is it true that the supply isn't there? And and what has led to us having this mismatch between supply and demand? And and how are manufacturers manufacturers coping? Joe, would you like to start yeah, Martin, off there? Thank you. And it's good to be with you guys. Um, the, you know, the numbers that you state about unfilled manufacturing jobs, I think that number is a little low. Um, I, you know, I think the number out there is significantly high. I get calls every week from fellow business owners that are looking for uh, skilled people and, um, you know, you mentioned electric boat. Their, their hiring needs are going to be significant. Um, and, yeah, the problem, Martin, has been around for a while. We, it, it, this isn't something where uh, we've had a shortage of skilled workers overnight. This has been happening for quite some time. And I think it's starting to escalate for a lot of reasons. One, you know, our workforce age, we're aging. I mean, I'm 60 years old and tomorrow's another day, so I'm not getting younger. And a lot of people that I run around with in the manufacturing community are in the same boat. And so, you know, it's in our vested interest to bring youth into our manufacturing organizations. You couple that with the fact that the economy is improving. You know, we went through a tough time in 08 and 09, but we're getting those jobs back and we're growing. So we definitely have a disconnect between uh, our growth and our ability to attract a young, skilled workforce. And I think it's a, it's a great career. Obviously, I've done it my entire life. I think uh, a, a young person with um, some manufacturing credentials or somebody that has gone through a technical high school or community college, seriously, with some overtime right out of school, you, you can make forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000. So Connecticut has some great things happening in the manu- manufacturing sector of the economy. But Chris, 
this shortfall between uh, the number of qualified applicants for the jobs that are out there and uh, and our ability as a state to continue to grow this part of our economy, uh, are we are, are is our success being threatened by this mismatch? Our success is being threatened. I think that to Joe's point, we have some great opportunities that our sector has to has to be much more proactive in communicating. Um, we can attract people to our sector readily. We have uh, excellent intellectual challenges for young people. We have excellent earning challenges. We have excellent career challenges. And, uh, you know, we can, in fact, bring strong careers to a very young demographic, quite frankly. And uh, this is not inclusive of the college-educated demographic as well. Uh, but, you know, an empty seat is 0% productivity. And uh, manufacturers in Connecticut, uh, we're strong, we're growing. So we need that productivity. So we have to work very, very hard to attract talent. And I think uh, many companies like Mott, Joe, like your organization, uh, Dr. Labello, the people that you are preparing, we're all in this. But I don't think there's enough of us that are in this from a promotion and quality of life standpoint that we can actually bring to this demographic. Yeah. You know, during the last uh, 40 or 50 years, both in Connecticut and nationally, uh, the manufacturing sector of our economy has generally contracted, while other parts of the economy, the financial services sector, the information technology sector, um, have grown. And I wonder, it, it is, is, uh, is the... Is there a perception problem out in the marketplace for manufacturing jobs? Because, you know, the 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 folks who are creating websites and the folks who are doing uh, other sort of service jobs seem to get a lot of attention, yet the manufacturing uh, sector, I wonder if people are thinking about it uh, the way it was 50 years ago instead of thinking about it the way it is today. I wonder, Dr. Lombella, if you could talk a little bit about the perception challenges that maybe we have uh, for manufacturing careers. Uh, certainly. And thank, thank you, Martin and, and Chris and Joe. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here today. I, I have been on a personal campaign for almost nine years now with the higher education system uh, to really change the perception of advanced manufacturing technology in the state of Connecticut. I'm told that people still feel manufacturing is dirty, dark, and dank and dangerous. Um, I was with a group of students the other day, and I asked them to, uh, to raise their hands of how many of them had a parent or a guidance counselor actually suggest they go into the field of manufacturing. And I think out of, out of maybe 40, 50 individuals in the room, two raised their hands. Um, it truly is... Um, we need to change the perception of the opportunities in advanced manufacturing. I tell parents every day and I tell educators and guidance counselors as well, you know, manufacturing is not dirty, dark, and dank. Manufacturing is robotics. It's, it's high tech. It's touch screens. It's, you know, we need to get more students involved in tours of manufacturing companies. We need to get more students involved um, in exposing them. One of the things that we're doing at Nuntuck, and I actually do on my operational dollars is I send out uh, three instructors to five different school systems and we're touching over 2,000 youngsters at this point starting in the sixth, sixth grade. And in those school systems, we put tabletop CNC machines, we put CAD and CAM software packages, blueprint reading, uh, 3D printers. And just like we've done for years with, with home economics and woodworking, these students are now being exposed to all of these advanced manufacturing. And the thought process really is that they're bringing home projects from fourth, fifth, sixth grade, all the way through the 10th grade. They're bringing home projects to mom and dad. And mom and dad are seeing what a 3D print, printed object looks like and what, a, what they're creating on a CNC tabletop machine and so forth. And, and hopefully, 
hopefully that's going to help change the perception. And at, in the 10th grade, these students can then join what we call our fifth-year model. So they can earn up to 30 college credits, both academic and technical credits, by the time they graduate high school. So already having a half of an associate degree in their pocket, they come to his Nuntuck for one additional calendar year, spring, summer, fall, finish off their associate degree in advanced manufacturing. We're currently busing in about 200 students from high schools daily to his Nuntuck. And I'm fortunate that the state has put about $40 million into his Nuntuck in the last two years. We have a brand new advanced manufacturing technology center, 27,000 square feet, to walk out on the production floor and see 100 pieces of equipment, 70, 80 students in action learning on CNC machines, lathes, bridge ports. Um, it truly is, in my mind, I look at it and say, this is what we need to do, but we need to do it times 10. Uh, we've been fortunate as Nuntuck to share the curriculum with seven other community colleges at this point. Um, and we're, we're growing it as fast as we can, but I'll tell you, every day my phone rings for manufacturers looking for students. We have a 98% job placement rate coming out of these programs. The students have jobs before they even finish their internship. Um, and I could go on and on for 20 minutes because it really is, uh, we're making strides, but unfortunately we're, we're kind of behind the curve on this. Uh, you know, manufacturing is alive, it's well in the state of Connecticut, jobs are available, and I'm told every day manufacturers are afraid to take on additional work because they don't have the skilled workforce. So we're trying to contribute to that, and I'm in the process right now of bringing both mechatronics, uh, machining, uh, uh, to Tungstis Community College as well as inspection control. And, uh, you know, these students are, and I see it every day, getting jobs 60, 50, 60, $70,000 a year. I had a student come up to me the other day and tell me she's now a team leader with Pratt & Whitney. She's earning over 70000 And she said, President LaBelle, I want you to know I just put a down payment on a house. And I looked at her and I said, did you stay over the Massachusetts border or are you now in Connecticut? She said, I put I put a down payment on a house in East Windsor, Connecticut. Yay. So, so <laughs> there's a little example of kind of showing the migration that we're helping pull pull people into the state. But a lot of our workforce does come from Western Mass. And Connecticut sits two miles, or Nantuck sits two miles on the border from Massachusetts. So a lot of our workforce, a lot of our training comes from there too. And I'm finding those individuals are then moving to Connecticut. So um, so many different uh, um, levels uh, of manufacturing and opportunities here in Connecticut. But those are those are exciting. Those are great. Well, I thought your examples also of uh, things you're doing with students to have them, you know, bring home and share with their families and parents, uh, you know, what they're learning in school is really a great way to change perceptions. The technical high school system in the United in Connecticut is 105 years old and really one of the most developed uh, uh, programs in the country. And uh, I'm wondering, Chris, if, you know, from your perspective uh, at Mott, uh, you know, do you see the, that, that uh, educational uh, uh, opportunity as a as a uh, as a plus, and are there other ways that we ought to be trying to leverage that even more? We see the vocation, vocational um, education system here at the secondary level as absolutely critical. And you know, I think we have two challenges here. Um, companies have really taken a short term view of talent acquisition. And um, I, I think it's time to step out of that and operate as corporate citizenship and be part of the advocacy of reaching out um, in the schools to the parents. Um, Dr. Lombella, you brought up at sixth grade, um, having been a member of a, the, the Board of Education in an upstate New York uh, school district, the superintendent and I uh, put together a job shadowing program that started at that middle-aged level, because that's where the influence is on, on career choices. And that's where the engagement begins, not only with the student, but with the student and the parent. What better way to drive it than have the student excited and have the parent react as opposed to the other way around? You know, the obligation that uh, that Mott and, and perhaps companies like us were not a giant company, but we have to step outside of our house and be part of a, a campaign and be active with uh, being present 
And that's one of the reasons I'm here, because we see that need, and we see it's not a short-term need. The meeting I was coming from just before uh, this meeting today was a strategic meeting about talking about our three-year technology needs. And how are we going to do that? And our challenge is to step out of our short-term thinking. So stepping out of that short-term thinking, being part of that campaign. And as I said earlier, the, the advocacy of the message is really a quality of life message. It's really not about this is a great place to work. This is about a quality of life. This is working on uh, products that make a difference in people's lives. I mean, look at aerospace, biomedical, uh, you know, name the application. These are things that make a difference in people's lives. And when I look at the people that are excited in our organization, they're excited because they get to do cool things. They work in cool places. They have a great quality of life. And they have a lot of job satisfaction. And I think that's a part of the big picture that we really need to get out. And we need to partner with our secondary school level educators. And Chris, you're, you're right on the nose with that um, specifically. And that's something I've been saying for quite some time. With the fiscal conditions of our state, we're all struggling. I know at the school system, we've had millions of dollars of cuts and we're trying to keep these programs afloat. And I talk to manufacturers every day and having been in the manufacturing sector, I know what it costs to recruit and what it costs to interview and then get an individual in the door and then start doing training and invest three months of time into them for them to decide manufacturing might not be for them. And, um, you know, so if we can find some sort of, of model that's going to work where, where manufacturers are willing to maybe put some money up front, help us with the program, but every semester they have access to individuals coming out with the skills they need uh, to be able to train and hire them. So those, those, in my kind of perfect world, uh, that's the model that, that I see. And I agree. And the one constituent we cannot miss is not just the parent and the student. It really is the guidance counselor and the educators. I actually had a guidance counselor say to me two months ago that I have two students right now, uh, President Lombella, they're struggling in school. They're, they're having trouble academically. I think manufacturing is the route for them. And I looked at, I looked at the individual and I said, I said, no, this is what we're talking. These individuals need to know math. They need to be able to, to have critical thinking. These are for our academically um, uh, students that are excelling. And, and um, I invited her to come take a tour. And after the tour, she looked at me and she says, I now understand manufacturing is not the way I perceived it. And she was looking at it as the way she visited her grandfather one time doing kind of piecemeal work in a manufacturing. And that's what she had pictured manufacturing was. Uh, and I think and part of that perception is showing the importance of um, uh, continuous learning skills and uh, the, the ability to adapt and the critical thinking skills. Because once our guidance counselors and instructors have that understanding, they can better articulate the challenge and the reward of the manufacturing environment. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. Uh, we have still much more to talk about, but we've run out of time for our first podcast. So uh, please join us for uh, our second podcast uh, coming up shortly with the uh, same three gentlemen. Uh, and we'll continue talking about the great opportunities for manufacturing in Connecticut.